Hello, Blackhawks fans. Welcome into the Four Feathers postgame show. Johnny Nani here with Tony Marchese. We're talking about a 2-0 Blackhawks winner. Close out the series in Columbus. Tony, this was a fun game to watch. Fun result all around. How you doing? Johnny, I'm doing fantastic. Um, first off, fuck Columbus. That's what I have to say right off the bat. Sick and tired of seeing these guys. All my homies hate Columbus. Yes, everybody. I do. I'm your homie. I hate Columbus. I'm I'm feeling fantastic riding out of there with a victory, a shutout nonetheless. I love it, Tony, because we did the episode preceding this series, and we had predicted a split, both you and I did, which is reasonable. They had split with Columbus in the two prior series uh, that they played both at the United Center uh, earlier in the season. Um, but I'm very happy to be wrong about that here and talking about a Blackhawks sweep. That's another, you know, you and I do socks, you know, for on tap sports net and we talk about sweeps and luckily our socks are, you know, getting to that level where they're starting to sweep more teams. It's nice with the schedule. I think, you know, it's a little bit, you know, weird only being 56 game and condensed and limiting travel, but that when you play teams back to back, you can say that you swept them and that's fucking cool and tough. Johnny sweeps are cool and tough. And before we break, break down this game, um, I think we've mentioned this a few times on this show. I'll mention it again. I'm a big fan of this schedule. I think the players are big fans of the schedule. I think everybody's a big fan of the schedule. I don't see why you wouldn't be. Let's keep this. Let's keep this forever. Um, I like seeing these teams. I like these rivalries that this is building. Columbus, right there for you. I mean, we've seen them a bunch already. You see the guys starting to get chippy with each other. You, there's less travel on the players. This makes it more conducive once this whole pandemic's over to uh, to take a little trip down to Columbus or where I don't know why you fucking want to go there, but um, maybe if the Hawks are playing, it might be the the most entertaining thing to do in Columbus. But um, I think it's just I think it's good for the game um, to build these things up. I mean, you see this in baseball, you see this now in hockey where you get these series against other teams and. Uh, it starts to allow you as a fan to watch these things a little bit differently. Uh, I love the, the the NHL playoffs where you're playing against the same exact team over and over again, four or five games in a row. It, the guys on the ice start to hate each other, and that just makes the sport that much entertaining. And we're getting that right now. And this is cool and tough. I like seeing it. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Think about how rivalries rivalries blossom. And, you know, the Blackhawks in Vancouver in the 09 to, you know, those early uh, cup run days. That, that is how that blossoms, playing each other year after year in the playoffs. I um, mean, you build up that hatred uh, between the two teams. I mean, you still we've had Dave Bolin on the show before. Ask him. He still hates all those guys from Vancouver. Adam Burrish, whenever he was on the NBC Sports, he would always take a jab uh, at any of Vancouver uh, whenever they, they were playing them, the whatever, players team in general, um, it, it builds that kind of stuff. And you and I, when we were planning out this episode and we were talking yesterday, doing a little pre-planning, uh, knowing that you and I were going to be the two on recapping this game, whatever it may be, we said that we were going to talk, get on here and slander Columbus because it's building rivalries between fan bases too. And uh, it's a team that was in the Eastern conference. So uh, no real like, hatred for them before but now it's budding and this being the sixth game of the year that we've played against them uh, I love it I love having a little bit of fire there and obviously it was ignited a bit by um, Savard hitting Kane a little bit late after the play uh, some retaliation you know, Kane slashed him back and then Murphy got a little chippy uh, with some guys against Columbus uh, in that game on Tuesday night uh, we did not see a response here uh, tonight it is in a fight or uh, you know a real big hit but I like the response of coming out and just whooping him again uh, I mean because 
we'll get into uh, how this game unfolded. But um, for the most part, after the first period, uh, Blackhawks did a pretty damn good job uh, of controlling this thing with a few uh, exceptions here and there. Um, so uh, we can get into it. Um, like I mentioned, it was a 2-0 victory tonight. Uh, Malcolm Subban records his first Blackhawks shutout. Tony, what did you say at one point uh, on the preview show? Sometime this year, there is going to be the Malcolm Subban game. This is it, baby. Johnny, I'm so excited to be on the mic for it, too. Uh, I did. I said that one one game this year, we're going to get it. And maybe we'll get more now. Who knows? But I said, we're going to have the Malcolm Subban game. And that was tonight, the shutout victory. Uh, just played stellar uh, the entire way through. Um, you know, you, you don't expect Malcolm Subban to be a world beater of any uh, any type in the goal. Um, throughout the, a long extended period of time. But if we can get Malcolm Subban to a level of, of somewhat competent goaltending for, you know, three, four games, that's just going to ease some pressure off of Lankanen, I think. Uh, the Hawks have rode him pretty hard, and Jeremy Carlton's been going to the hot hand a lot, and that's been Kevin Lankanen. And I've loved what I've seen from him uh, so far. Now, did I expect him to keep the same numbers up that he was putting up early in the season? Probably not. I mean, you're talking about a rookie goaltender, the NHL season's a grind in and of itself. You see even the, the best goaltenders go through their, their struggles. But Lycanen's done a great job holding holding down that that number one starter uh, role for this team so far. Uh, Malcolm Subban has been the number two guy uh, for Jeremy Carlton, it seems like. And getting that type of production out of your number two goalie, Johnny, uh, we as Hawks fans know what that's like. I mean, we've been through uh, – most recently, like the Scott Darling era, the, the Ray Emery period, uh, all the good Hawks teams have had uh, a second goaltender who's capable of holding down the net on any given night. Um, is Malcolm Subban going to do that forever? Who knows? But uh, they do have a third goalie here, Colin Delia, uh, who really hasn't gotten a shot in, in net in a little bit here. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think when you've got three guys circling around looking for that starters net, man, it's just going to elevate the competition across all of them. So I love what I'm seeing right now uh, from the Blackhawks goaltending. And th those are words that I never thought I would say this year. I thought I, I didn't, you know, you couldn't have, you couldn't have made bets on that. That was not something that I, I had in mind going into this season, but here it was the Malcolm Subban game, man, and give credit where credit's due. Um, he, he played his heart out tonight and led the Hawks to victory. I need to eat some of my words from the season preview show uh, because I was very hard on Malcolm Subban. I was very hard on him after the Blackhawks signed him to a two-year extension. And I had said that it's he's not even going to be an NHL caliber goaltender. He's best served as an AHL possible starter or even backup down there. So I need to eat my words. I'll do it. And you know what, Tony? I love being wrong as long as it's benefiting the Hawks on the ice and benefiting that player. And they are the ones doing it and going out and showing me and proving me wrong. Uh, not just getting like a chorus of, you know, supporters of his that, you know, get angry at you and uh, defending all sorts of bad plays on the ice. No, he's playing well. And the, you know, few and far between starts that he has gotten just because Lankanen has been so good too. Uh, he has held his own so far for the most part. He almost had a shutout against Dallas, a really, really good team. And you and I did that. That was on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, you know, one snuck through, and, but it was still an outstanding performance. Then obviously uh, you get the blank 
uh, in the opponent score column tonight. So excellent to see from Malcolm Subban. I love eating my words on that. So uh, let's move forward. I got a few initial thoughts here. Um, we, we had touched on the Columbus hate, so uh, we can move on past that for the time being. Um, you know, the Blackhawks started sluggish tonight, Tony. Uh, and, you know, it was kind of you got that vibe. They had said it on the broadcast. It was that, oh, it's the last game of a road trip that can kind of do that to you. It wears on you and felt like that, you know, was kind of the vibe early on. And um, I was thinking, ah, shit, well, here comes a split that uh, I, you know, kind of thought was going to happen. Um, but no, they were able to rebound in the second period, and we'll get to that. Uh, but I want your thoughts on the initial start. My thing that I was there, we talk about weathering the storm late. They're able to weather a storm early in this one and keep themselves in the game. And that's what I was very impressed with. And that shows composure and growth out of a young team. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much astounded by some of the responses that this Blackhawks team has had early on this season to some adversity. Um, you know, you look at a first period like that, and just like you were, um, I was also kind of in the same boat there. Like, ah, this one might get a little bit ugly. Um, th- this was a goalie game, man. And we'll keep going back to that. Uh, this one was stolen by by Malcolm Subban. I mean, they they rode through that. They weathered the storm just like we want them to all the time. And I, I love that analogy, man. Uh, and you're right. They, they, they open up the gates, man. And it was, it was storming outside early. Uh, Columbus looked like they came out ready to play tonight. The Hawks didn't. Uh, but I think the more important thing here, Johnny, is when we get to the second period and we talk about the response that the Hawks had. Indeed. And, you know, when we go numbers here in the first period, the Columbus Blue Jackets outshot the Blackhawks eight to three. So even with, you know, that kind of storm that they had in the Blackhawks, never a good thing when you only have three shots. I ain't going to get it done. I think everybody knows that you don't even have to be that big of a hockey fan to understand that, you know, you don't, you don't shoot. The, the puck as much, you're not going to get as many goals. That's just, you know, the way it works numbers wise. So uh, it, I was glad that they only allowed eight though, because that could be, we've I think we've seen periods that maybe the Hawks having more than three, but you're allowing in, in the 15 to 20 range. And that, you know, that can get really taxing on both your defense and your goalie. So I was happy to see that it was only eight there. And then the Blackhawks turned the tide completely. Hawks only had three shots in the first period. Well, guess what? Columbus only had three in the second period. Hawks outshot them 12 to three in the middle frame. Talk about uh, how that, Thing kind of turned around a little bit for the Hawks. This is exactly where a, a, a good team starts to accelerate, Johnny, is when you have a bad period and you come back out. Um, again, I'll go back and I'll eat some words here too. Jeremy Carlton uh, has a little bit of, of credit to this. Uh, you know, the response that the Blackhawks come out in the second period and actually play a lot better. Uh, those are coaching adjustments. That's getting guys in the right situations. Uh, that's just team morale. One thing that I've noticed so far this year, which is really interesting to me, Johnny, is the fact that this Blackhawks team's been able to come out and survive first periods like they had tonight without the leadership of Jonathan Taves in the locker room. And I think that that speaks volumes to the level of leadership that Patrick Kane holds in the, on this team. Um, you know, if he, he's, I guess, the pseudo captain right now. Uh, of these guys. And you're talking about two leaders, not only just Jonathan Taves, but Kirby Doc being gone. That's another kid with some really good leadership skills, uh, not in that locker room either. So uh, there's some voices in this room, uh, in the Hawks locker room, uh, that are very strong and are getting these kids to play uh, the right kind of hockey. And you saw that level of energy in the second period. You saw them come out um, looking like a completely different team, Johnny. And so that's where I want to give some credit is the coaching staff and the leadership uh, that's been taken on. And I think that that's kind of Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith a little bit right there as well. Um, You know, your veterans 
getting out there and letting these guys know like, Hey, it's time to step on the gas. We can beat these guys. It's still zero, zero. We're not down in this hockey game. And that's exactly what they did. They come out in the second period. They had a really good start to it. Um, I'll let you get into some of the nitty gritty here, but I mean, that's, that's where I'm at, man. The, the leadership on this team, that's how, that's how you get periods like this. Indeed. And, you know, I'm glad you're kind of coming around to the uh, Jeremy Colleton adjustments here because we've talked about it and you've you've given a little bit of credence before. But now that's I think that's the most extended I've heard you really kind of heap on some praise for him. And you know, winning winning cures everything, Johnny. It's <laughs> yeah, really that, funny. It's that, really funny how winning yeah, can cure great. anything. Great, crazy how that works indeed. But, uh, you know, I, I like that you came around and said that. And, um, you know, I'm not anointing him, Joel Quinville, by any means. I mean, there, there is, you know, we're not I don't want I don't want the listeners to get us confused with us saying that Jeremy Collins already a great coach. He's not by any means, but he is taking this young team and getting them to play within the system and also the will the want to, because I feel like, you know, even with a few more veteran guys like, you know, Sprinkle and Olimato, Slater Cuckoo last year, not that those guys are world beaters by any means, but you had a little bit of guys that have been around the block a few times before. This young team is buying in much better than those guys did. And maybe that's what it needed. Maybe it needed a little bit of shakeup. Maybe it needed a youth movement that, you know, Carlton's going to put it down this way. This is your first, you know, taste of it. And this is how it's going to be done. Uh, that that could be a factor in it uh, as well. But I also, you know, just applaud him on the adjustments because uh, you clearly see adjustments being made in positioning, in zone exits, in all of that kind of stuff, zone entries for that matter, uh, neutral zone play, board battles, all of that kind of stuff um, that that can be attributed partly to coach. And now the, obviously the other part is the players got to go out and execute. Um, you know, some nights it could be, could have all the best effort in the world and you just don't execute. So uh, it's, it's all a combination of factors that come into play here, but uh, I wanted to mention that. And then as you had mentioned, Patrick Kane, I totally agree kind of the pseudo captain right now, but I'm glad you did sprinkle in a little bit at the end. I was going to say Duncan Keith too, because it may be a little bit more vocal or whatever. And they're always asking Patrick Kane for the media availability after the game, but Duncan Keith's your rock on the back. Back end man, three shot blocks tied for the team lead tonight. Plays twenty four sixteen, uh, two twenty seven shorthanded tonight. I mean, th- that's just a stability uh, factor that you need on the back end, and he is nothing but reliable back there. So uh, Duncan Keith as well. I'll go and put him in with that leadership team. Uh, Tony, you talk about getting into some nitty gritty here. I kind of like having this kind of more general discussion about the first and second, and just going over themes and you know what uh, went right and uh, what adjustments they made because no, there was no score uh, through the first two periods. So if you're looking for our usual kind of period by period breakdown by this time on Tuesday night, we would Ron and I were already talking about like fucking like five, six goals. So, um, you know, it's, it's just the way it is here. Uh, you know, there, there were a couple, uh, chances within this, you know, Subban made a nice save in the first period on, um, is Seth Jones, and then uh, he had another one. And actually, he got a little bit lucky because Robinson had a great A chance, but just crazy outside of the post in period two. Um, but other than that, uh, not a not a whole lot. Hagel had a really nice chance in the slot, um, which is finally nice to see him get to the middle in the second period too. They weren't doing that at all in the Stop first. Me if uh, I've heard Brandon Hagel having a really yeah, good shot on goal. Yeah, Stop, yeah. That, that, that was with two seconds left in the period though, um, and you know it, it did cap off though a nice effort for the Hawks in that second period. So now as we move in into the third period uh this is where a little more of the action happened a little more uh penalty time here um and the scoring obviously so as we get in Kershev, uh stick kind of a tough break for him gets caught within Roslovic's skate blade uh so that's a tripping penalty at the 410 mark i was pleased with the very early part shutting down columbus's top uh power play unit in this one the carpenter was eating up time in the uh you know the jacket zone and then uh 
Zadorov of all people, uh, up in on a rush with Brandon Hagel. So that was good to kill off some time. But then it got a little bit scary at the end, Tony, not going to lie, uh, because Columbus's second uh, unit, give them credit, they came and made a big push with only about, I would say, 30 to 25 seconds left. And they really put it on. And this is where Columbus's only power play shot of the night, at least according to this box score on NHL.com, Tony, only power play shot of the night, only one of them that Subban had to face. That is a huge improvement from Tuesday. And I believe uh, Lankanen had to face at least 10 uh, on Tuesday night. And granted, there are more opportunities, but still uh, there's something to be said for that shot suppression. Yeah, give some credit to the special teams here, Johnny. The, the the power play and the penalty kill have looked a little bit different this year than what we've even seen with some of the the, the cup teams. Uh, you know, it, it, I don't know what's really changed, but things just look a little more crisp. Um, the penalty kill seems to step up a little bit more, kill a little bit more time. Uh, you know, hold the pocket for an extra two seconds before it's dumped. Whatever they whatever they have to do, they seem to be doing. Um, the right ways. And I think that, again, you can go back to the coaching staff. You can go back to the leadership on this team again and look at just the organization that they have. It looks completely different. Um, I've been enjoying watching that. And that that stat, man, that's unbelievable. I mean, you're used to watching a Blackhawks penalty kill over the last few years, just try and weather the storm. And you didn't really feel that tonight, um, especially when, uh, Columbus was on the man advantage. You didn't really feel that there was going to be uh, any real, real danger uh, throughout uh, either of the power plays uh, that were, that were had there. Um, but man, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in kind of shock, Johnny. I'm in kind of shock with that. Yep. Especially just with the way it went down on Tuesday night, uh, they obviously made adjustments. So we talked about period to period, you know, period one to period two in this game, game to game as well. There, there are larger, greater overall things that are being carried over points of emphasis that are being worked out uh, in that next showing. So I like to see that from an adjustment standpoint. Uh, let's kind of get back in there. We had to praise the penalty kill a little bit, uh, like I mentioned. And there were, you know, the, they were recorded, uh, excuse me, credited with one shot Columbus was on the power play tonight. They did have a few other chances. Uh, I'll give them that, that were, you know, kind of jamming around the net, but none of them that actually went in and got through Subban. Uh, so I think that's just a credit to guys like Calvin Hahn, Connor Murphy, Nikita Zadorov on the back end, because each of those guys, um, actually, uh, Hahn and Murphy had three blocks along with uh, Duncan Keith. And then, um, excuse me, Zadorov and Dahan had three blocks along with Keith, and then Murphy had one as well. But I remember uh, some of those coming in clutch spots. So uh, as we move on, then uh, the Jackets, they were still putting on a little bit of a storm. You know, we talked about the Blackhawks controlling that second period, uh, especially, you know, five on five. But uh, after that power play, Columbus is surging. You know, that that still gave them a little momentum. They're still buzzing a little bit. Hawks still trying to catch their breath after that. Um, and they started to tally up the chances or at least shot attempts uh, on Malcolm Subban. And then, it just happened to be an opportunistic play, Tony. And uh, being opportunistic is cool and tough. And who's better at it than Patrick Kane? Uh, a great feed. Uh, Matthias Janmark circling in his own zone gives it to Kelvin DeHaan, who just punches one through all the way through the center of the ice, kind of gets bumped around a little bit. And Kane finds it through a couple of skates, shoots, uh, excuse me, skates in on the right wing, shoots back to the left side and beats Corpus Salo on the blocker side. Uh, he is now one goal shy of 400 for his career, regular season goals. Can't wait to see that number 400. I thought we were going to get the chance to see it tonight on the empty net. Uh, unfortunately, no, I'm, I'm kind of glad it's going to be at home. Hopefully. This yeah. Weekend. I, you know, it'll probably come at home, but, uh, 
not the same without the fans there. Got to say that, Johnny. Unfortunately, not the same. I, the fans there. I agree, but still, I think they can do a little bit of cooler shit if it's at home. And obviously, a team uh, that will be playing is Detroit. Um, so, you know, I think Patrick Kane is in for a big weekend, too. Well, as much as I hate Columbus, uh, fuck Detroit. They suck, too. Detroit sucks. Detroit sucks. Indeed. So as we move through this, uh, Dehan and Jan Mark, obviously the guys that I mentioned, get the assists on that uh, Patrick Kane goal. And Tony, th- this was, we, we, I feel like we haven't stepped back and appreciated some of these uh, so far this year. And maybe it's a little different. Maybe the guys aren't as jacked up to do these with fans not in the stands. But Patrick Kane had himself one hell of a selly after this one. Got down on the knee, did the little pump, the little glove uh, kind of flare out. Uh, it was fucking awesome to finally see that because sometimes he can just be stoic after he's scores maybe it's just he's so used to it but it was nice to see that emotion in a big moment here well I think some of that from Patrick Kane this year might be the lack of fans it might just be act like you've been there before uh, and and the level of hype moments on early on in the season might not be exactly uh, the best spots for Patrick Kane to kind of show off a little bit but again we talk about you know rivalries and playing these teams over and over again Uh, this was definitely a moment of emotion for Patrick Kane and you saw that with the Sully uh, you love seeing somebody just kind of show up on somebody that you hate. And as we've already declared on this show, uh, we fucking hate Columbus yeah. now. So uh, good to see. It, I mean, it's it's the equivalent of dunking on somebody. And, and I love that. I love that attitude. I love the killer attitude. Step on their throats. We've talked about that over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I yeah, just but- think, you know, at this point in Patrick Kane's career, man, like you're talking about 399 goals. That's 399 regular season celebrations. Uh, let's see what he pulls out for 400. Yeah, yeah, the, I'm excited to see what he does there. Uh, you know, and another kind of factor that goes into this, I talked about the circumstances with Columbus surging a little bit after their power play, but also the timing of this. No goal scored to this point. Blackhawks had just killed off a penalty not too long uh, before Patrick Kane scored this goal. Comes at the 845 mark of the third period. That's pretty late for a first goal of the game to be scored by any team. So, um, you know, like I said, opportunistic moment, uh, cool and tough goal, uh, excellent shot, and uh beautiful Sally on top of it. So love to see it. As we move through this thing, uh, Jack Roslevic takes a holding penalty on Kelvin DeHaan at 1653. Kind of wish the Blackhawks were able to bury one here on the power play, maybe with a just fucking crank it, Kubali clapper. That was not the case, though. Um, you know, Kane set up Ian Mark. His chance was denied on a shot. And then Kubalik tried to feed uh, Kane on the doorstep, but there was a nice breakup by Columbus stick in there. So uh, Blackhawks power play as their only chance of the night ends up going over one. That's all right. They were able to get it done thanks to Carl Soderberg uh, after Columbus had pulled the goalie uh, at the 1910 mark. Uh, Carl Soderberg fires it. Uh, pretty lengthy goal. And uh, that's his third straight game with a goal. Uh, Carl Soderberg heating up. I kind of, Tony, I want to give myself a little props there for kind of using him as my stick to click Tuesday night and propelling this. Hey, once again, Nostranani strikes. Um, you know, you are just magical when it comes to trying to predict things. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're not betting yet, Johnny. That's that's my one question for you. Like, are you worried about the luck running out, or is this just like have you made a deal with the devil at this point in time that says you're not allowed to bet, but you're going to know what the fuck's yeah, happening? Yeah, it just it, it is kind of the luck thing, Tony. I feel like if I do start doing that, and I'm so sure of it, you know, like I was calling those plays during the Super Bowl called the Soderberg, you know, with him. Uh, part of it's like looking at trends and stuff, so there is some, you know, educated part to that guess, but other times it's just like a gut feeling, and I feel like as soon as there's money on the line, it'll be wrong, so 
maybe I'll play uh, play it and try it out and see how it goes. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to be as, uh, you know, let down uh, from that. And I also don't want my predictions to stop coming true because I'm trying to predict things are going to be good for the Hawks. So uh, I'd rather have the Hawks winning than me making, you know, whatever, fucking some chump change uh, on some small bets uh, for these games. So um, that, that about wrapped it up, though. Uh, the, that was at 1910 uh, Jackets. I think they pulled the goalie again after that. Nothing going. Uh, Blackhawks close this thing down. Credit to Malcolm Subban for an excellent game. He finishes the night uh, 25. 520 excuse me 26 26 um one of those was a power play chance like i mentioned uh so 25 of 25 at even strength excellent to see him he was happy in the post game interview nice to see him get that Lankinen got his first shutout not too long ago in a blackhawk sweater so uh you know just nice to see these guys going and um as we're going through observations tony i don't think there's and maybe there could be a conversation let me know if it's the case but i go with malcolm suban as my cool and tough player of the game how about you I don't know. I don't know if there's any other player that you can give it to. I mean, when we talk about the uh, the cool and tough player of the game, we talk about a guy that steps up and is just plays out of his mind or makes a, a, an incredible play at some point in time. And you're talking about an entire game where Malcolm Subban was just on. Um, so I, I don't think there's any discussion here. Um, coolest and toughest on the ice tonight. So another observation that I have: I would rather have that than the back and forth heart attack. I don't know about you. You know, the back and forth heart attack that we've watched over and over again, it, it does wear on your body. It wears on your mental uh, your mental health a little bit. Uh, it is exciting. It is exciting hockey to watch. But uh, I think there's a place for both of them. I think tonight you, you see them play a little bit more controlled and it, it just puts your mind a little at ease. It's easier to, it's easier to watch. Uh, it's easier to, uh, you know, I wouldn't say step easier away from it. Yeah, easier on the stomach. It's easier to kind of step away, go grab a beer, and not worry that uh, something's going to happen right away. Uh, it's a, it's just a more, I guess, a laid back way to way to watch hockey without uh, a heart attack. Although I, I do I do really enjoy man the three on three overtime, the edgier mm-hmm. seat hockey that we see. Uh, but if you look at these two games in comparison, Johnny, you you, you had one very sloppy, um, you know, high intensity. Uh, goal scoring affair versus uh, what tonight to me looked like a team with composure um, and a really hot goalie uh, playing their best. And, and, you know, there's a place for both of those. Uh, However, I would get a little bit annoyed if we only saw one version night in night out. So I, I, I like, I like the little bit of variety there. I, I think that I am with you in that I, for entertainment standpoint and uh, you know, it's going to happen sometimes. Um, I, I do like seeing the high scoring affairs. I like seeing a lot of offense. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of sweet goals uh, that have been scored. And when it's a back and forth, you know, intensities through the roof, um, I get that. But I think it's big for the Blackhawks to be able to win games like this because one, it's showing that you can win games in multiple ways. You can do both. Hey, we can score along with you, or hey, we can shut you down uh, for a good 45 to 50 minutes um, with only a few like lapses, you know, like that came in the first period early in the third period tonight. Um, the other thing is just it's finding ways to win games uh, in multiple ways. And it, not every game is going to be the same in hockey in, in any sport. So um, th- that's just kind of my overall takeaway. Um, you got any final ones from this game before we move in uh, to our next game preview? 
No real final thoughts. I think I've kind of hit on uh, the Malcolm Subban stuff, the Patrick Kane stuff, the 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 adjustment stuff. It's, I'm I'm good there. I did want to circle back on that last topic that we talked about, uh, Johnny. I do agree with what you said there. Um, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, yes, uh, there is there is a need for some of that. But I almost want to double down on what you said and and say that winning in that fashion that they did today was kind of a it was a better way to win a hockey game because it shows you had the control. It shows you uh, were able to play a calm collective, like Ron likes to say uh, type of hockey game and, and keep your head in it and just do the right things. Fundamental hockey, um, you know, play good defense on the penalty kill. Uh, you know, the special teams we talked about earlier, uh, this, this was a good win. This is how a, a, a really good team wins against another good team. And I know we're not talking about the best in the league right here when we're talking Columbus and the Blackhawks, but the Hawks looked like a better team tonight. And the way they won tonight is the way that good teams handle bad teams. So uh, I think that is a positive. So I, I wanted to double down on it. I like that. And since we, you know, this the title of this episode is all my homies hate Columbus. I said this back maybe after one of the games in the first series. Actually, yeah, I think it was the post-game recap of the last game of the first series between these two teams back in January. Columbus fans, you should be very worried about your team, the state of your franchise, your coach, every single thing about it. Um, you just lost. Too. And granted, the Blackhawks are playing uh, much better than anyone expected them to this year. But, hey, the Blue Jackets were almost kind of a somewhat lock for a playoff spot in this division preseason when you're going looking before that. I know things can change throughout the course of the year, but uh, you, you should be very worried. And, um, you know, it's going to be a tough uh, play in the central here. Uh, Cause you're, you're going to have to face Tampa more. You're going to have to face Florida more. You're still going to have to face us Blackhawks two more times. So good fucking luck and fuck you, Columbus. I ain't going to cry about it. Nope. I ain't crying, but I hope they are. Let's move on to the next game preview. A little programming note for our listeners here. Um, my co-host on the show right now, uh, Mr. Tony Marchese, is turning the big 3-0 this weekend. So we were having a little bit of a blowout on Saturday night. Um, the Blackhawks play Saturday and Sunday night back-to-back. We probably would have done just a weekend recap uh, due to the turnaround time uh, with these games being uh, consecutive days anyway. Uh, but we'll be doing that, enjoying the game together on Saturday night. Um, and then obviously Sunday night is the second game in that series. And then the Blackhawks are off until Thursday night when they play Tampa Bay. So what that means for four feathers here is we are going to skip the post-game recaps um, from these two games, but we will touch on those in a further extended episode with some more general Blackhawks and hockey topics on either Monday or Tuesday. And we'll get that out to you um, in plenty of time before uh, that Tampa series starts. So just want to let everyone know um, we'll still be tweeting along, uh, you know, interacting with our fans and listeners on Twitter during these games, uh, but no post game shows for this weekend against Detroit. Detroit sucks. Um, We'll be cheering along with you. And then uh, we'll bring you the extended show Monday or Tuesday of next week. So um, that's, but I just wanted to get out of the way here. Um, as I was talking about those games, though, uh, the first one that we'll have is Saturday night, February 27th, 7 p.m. Uh, the boys are back in town, Tony. Uh, back at the UC. I can't fucking wait. I can't wait either, Johnny. And as you mentioned, we'll have most of the Four Feathers uh, crew uh, in the Casa de Marchese taking this game in. So you will be hearing from us in some way, shape, or form. Um during that game, and I'm sure you'll hear from us again on Sunday as well, uh, depending on the state and condition that all of us are in on Sunday. 
Um, maybe you won't hear from us uh, with that being said, but uh, Detroit sucks. Uh, I'm excited to watch this game uh, with you guys and uh, enjoy two more Blackhawks victories this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. My, my thing, though, is, Tony, I, I don't want to overlook these guys. It's easy to ride high, especially after, you know, some milestone stuff. Subban's first uh, Blackhawk shutout. Guys are playing well, you know, uh, winning, whatever is it, four out of their last five, now maybe five out of their last six here. Uh, they're on a nice hot stretch here. They're going to go home, going to be able to relax, be back with the families, you know, because uh, they can't do shit on the road uh, because of COVID. So I don't want that to be a trap game, though. Go home, get your rest tonight. Um, is it? Yeah, it's Thursday. Get your rest tonight. Um, be ready to come to work on Saturday, uh, starting from the morning skate. That would be my biggest point if I'm Jeremy Colladin. So we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the praise that we've give Jeremy Colladin and, and the leadership of this team. Um, I'm going to be looking at game one, Johnny, just like you mentioned. Uh, we've, we've done this show for a while now. And one thing that I've always talked about coming off of a road trip, that first game home, and you've, you've echoed this as well on multiple shows is that trap game, especially against an opponent like Detroit, um, who is not the greatest um, and the Hawks have proven that they can beat. So uh, don't take them lightly, but I, I think, and I just, I feel it. it, it, There's something about this Blackhawks team uh, playing the Detroit Red Wings. I feel like that rivalry is kind of budding again as well. uh, The same way that we've kind of watched this kind of build up with uh, the blue jackets, but uh, I think these guys are going to be ready to play. Um, it, the youth on this team, Johnny, is a lot different than what we saw two years ago uh, when you when you talk about trap games. I think that these guys uh, are young enough, they're hungry enough uh, to not fall into that. It's kind of reminiscent back of you know the, the 09, maybe 10 Hawks kind of level of hunger that I see. Not the talent. I'm not going to say that the talent is there because it's absolutely not. But the, the young mentality that they have across some of these guys these aren't a bunch of veterans who are coming back home older going home to their kids these are these are these are young 20 year old kids who just want to play some hockey and and go get their job done i mean this is probably the funnest thing that they could possibly fucking do in the middle of a pandemic so i'm kind of throwing the trap game thing out the window here i hope this doesn't bite me in the ass saying it but i think that they come out hot on on saturday yeah, I, I, I can see it. And I, I think those are all legitimate points there. But I think it's just with anything, you know, think about yourself after you come home from, a, you know, a busy day at work or whatever. And that could be considered that for them today, uh, a busy day at work and you're ready for a long weekend. What do you want? You just want to veg out and not do shit. And then when you're prompted to do something, you half ass it because um, you're just not in the mind, mindset to uh, be able to put you know your 100% effort uh, towards that. So I just wanted to be wary of that. Um, let's get a look at the Red Wings. Uh, the Red Wings just played tonight here, uh, tonight being Thursday, February 25th. Um, they won against Nashville, a struggling Nashville Predators team, but still a win, uh, which is big for the pre- uh, excuse me, the Red Wings, only their sixth of the year now. Um, they are 6-13-3, uh, 15 points, sitting last place in the Central. And I got to say this now that I have uh, the Black Hawks up in front of me too. Hawks are 11, 6, and 4, 26 points tied for first place in the Central. How fucking sweet is that to say? Johnny, I never thought we'd say that this year. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I never thought we'd say about this Hawks team. Um, this has been fun. This has been a fun year so far. Um, a lot, a lot better than uh, I think all of us initially anticipated. Let's just keep riding, man. Like <sighs> Enjoy this. If you're a Hawks fan, enjoy this because you don't know how long this is going to last. You don't know if it's going to get even better. 
Uh, but these are these are some very significant building blocks. We're not talking about this has been a week. We're starting to get into the point where the sample size is starting to add up a little bit, Johnny. I don't know if you feel the same way too. Mm-hmm. The sample size is starting to add up and it's starting to look like, hey, we could be talking about some really cool stuff as the season goes on. I'm not going to mention the word, but we could be talking about some cool things and some cool opportunities for this team uh, as we near the end of the season. Uh, enjoy it. Yeah, yeah enjoy it. You talk about the sample size adding up, and I agree 100% with that, but think about the condensed schedule. It's 56 games. If this is an 82-game season, you're probably still looking for more. You're probably looking for a longer stretch of this. But, hey, yep. we're, get, we're getting down to this. Like, we're get, we're approaching, like, halfway, like, you know, done with, like, the, you know, full, like, 56-game slate here. Like, we're getting there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, just something to keep in mind. And we may have some fun stuff, as you alluded to, talk about down the road. Uh, we shall see. I think we've blown enough hot air tonight, um, but we do need to get our sticks to click uh, for Saturday night. Um, once again, like I mentioned, no uh, post-game shows this weekend, so we won't have one for Sunday. We'll just do Saturday. Um, I can only see one game into the future, not two. So <laughs> let's go ahead. Uh, who's getting it done Saturday night, Tone? Saturday night, man. I just want to, we're going to be watching this together and I hope we're all screaming, just fucking crank it. So you know exactly who I'm going with and that's Kubelik. I I love that saying. I can't wait to fucking print the t-shirts, man. Uh, Just fucking crank it. That's, that's all I'm asking for uh, is, is a nice off the face off draw right into the wheelhouse of Dominic Kubelik and put that thing off the crossbar down, bar down in. That's what I want to see. Yeah, you're in the right circle there um, in the right mentality. I'll move it over to the left circle with that same mentality. Just fucking crank it um, from the right-handed shot, and that's Mr. Alex to bring it. So hope we're yelling it for both of those guys. I absolutely love it. Um, like I said, that's about all we've got for this show. Um, no post-game shows this weekend. want to reiterate that uh, Saturday night's game is 7 p.m. Central Time, NBC Sports Chicago, and Sunday is... One of those great six o'clock starts at the UC NBC Sports Chicago as well. So, Tony, let's wrap this thing up. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks.